Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Monday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi's radio network. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Opening segment of the show today sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Uh, they're still serving food. You can get takeout. You can get delivery. It's delicious. We had some Friday night, Luke Johnson, and it was... Uh, the same old good Dickies uh, just uh, picked it up in a little different way. So the restaurants are open to an extent in that they're doing uh, takeout and delivery. So how are you today? I'm good. I'm I just was going to comment, you know, there there was a actual uh, – Dickies may have put a policy in place the last time Kelly went in there to save their ice cream machine. Right. Um, so they've just continued that through uh, through this, you know, well, issue in our no. culture right now. But great barbecue, and, and we appreciate Dickies putting up with Kelly Sander and still providing service for the rest of us. No question. We'll be talking to Kelly later in the show. He's got some interesting information that came out this week at Old Dominion University and how all of this may affect their future uh, in Conference USA, Jameer Faulkner is a former professional, actually a current professional basketball player in the WNBA, sitting out this season due to injury. Of course, they're not playing now. We'll be talking to her, but our first guest today is uh, coming to us from Florida. Uh, Dylan Rita was a linebacker for the Golden Eagles from 2012 to 2013, and a very good one, 104 tackles in just two seasons. Uh, was playing professional football in Europe up until about a month ago, when Dylan, uh, Dylan Rita fell ill and uh, fell victim to the virus that is sweeping the world. And Dylan, we know you're back at home in the States and feeling good, and we're glad about that. But, uh, man, first of all, welcome to the show, and tell us what happened to you. Man, thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. And just want to throw in there, I really missed myself some Dickie's Barbecue, because that place is great. Um, <laughs> right, you're right. But uh, I got to say, um, yeah, so I, I was back out at, at Southern Mid or uh, Excuse me, I was back out in, in Europe. I was in Prague, and um, I was actually playing with the Prague Lions, who um, Dan Dish was the defensive coordinator who actually you know recruited me to Southern Miss originally. Yeah. Um, and so he got me out there to go play with him with the Prague Lions. And, um, you know, I was heading out there for my fourth year in Europe. And uh, I'd only been out there for about 10 days. And one day after practice, I, I got pretty ill. And um, just right when I got home from, from practice, it was about 10 o'clock at night, and just fever all of a sudden and, you know, a lot of uh, symptoms that have now obviously been linked to the coronavirus kind of were hitting me like out of the blue. And so, um, you know, I rested up and thought that maybe I was just fighting off a flu or something. And, um, you know, just really was trying to take care of myself like an athlete. Going, I went to the gym the next day and tried to sweat it out and, uh, you know, ended up being there for about only six more days, and then I flew home because it escalated so quickly. Um, so, you know, I was sick for about four days, and then I was feeling better about the day before that we were leaving or, or the morning of. I woke up and I felt good that I had to, to leave the country, and uh, so I flew back. And then three days after that is when I started coughing up some blood, and um, that's when I, I found out that I had the severe pneumonia that was linked with this. 
Uh, so you were hospitalized back in the States, correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, I got sick while I was out there. And then, yeah, I got home Sunday night. And then Monday I was feeling okay. Tuesday I was feeling okay. But later on in that day, I started coughing up some blood. And um, I never had like a severe cough, you know, which was one reason why I didn't think that I had the coronavirus. I never had the dry cough or any of those symptoms related to my chest. So um, I started coughing up blood and things like that. And I kind of you know, it was, that's not normal. Uh, you know, talk, talk to my family about it. And my grandma was really the one that spurred me to go to the hospital. Cause I was just going to wait it out and see if I started feeling better after a couple of days. And she's like, you got to go to the hospital. You know, you got to make sure that you get taken care of. Mm-hmm. Went to the ER. I was hoping they were just going to swab me and send me on my way. But I told them what was going on that I'd just been in Europe and they immediately sent me into a room. They came in with I basically felt like I was in ET, you know, with, uh, they came in with masks on and leather or big suits, rubber suits on. And we're going to give you a CT scan, x-ray, blood work, the whole nine yards. So they did all the tests under the sun, I felt like. And then they swabbed me for the COVID-19 and then they were going to keep me there until, um, my results came back, which I'm glad they didn't because I ended up staying there for 13 days or I would have stayed there for 13 days. That's how long it took for me to get my results back. Mm. But you're better now, correct? Yes, yeah, it's been about two and a half weeks since um, I left the hospital, and I'm feeling really good. You know, I've been able to get in the yard and, and do some yard work in the backyard and help my wife around the house a little bit. Um, still get a little bit out of breath, you know, just trying to maybe get a If I work out a little too hard or something, I haven't been trying to push it. But, you know, if I do a little too much, I can feel it. But other than that, I'm feeling really good. Well, good. Luke? Dylan, thanks uh, so much for being on. And, man, we're, we're thankful that uh, you uh, you are feeling better. Um, what's the biggest thing as a, as a survivor of this, as a, a recovery case, what's the biggest thing that you would communicate with people across the state of Mississippi? Um, there's still some people, you know, that, uh, are kind of, you know, gritting their teeth of the fact that we're in a shelter in place. You, you've been on the other side of the table. What would you like to communicate to our listeners about the severity of, uh, of this pandemic globe, this global right now? Yeah. Um, just really follow the guidelines that, that they're giving everybody. Um, you know, I know that it's not fun staying quarantined in your house but having gone through it it really wasn't a fun illness to go through and you know i'm 28 i'm still active i was still playing football and it hit me still pretty hard obviously you know they told they showed me the the ct scan of my chest and i was surprised at how bad my lungs actually looked um so you know this is definitely something that we need to be able to to look out for you know i'd be worried about my parents and my grandparents contact contacting this virus and um you know so i just want to make sure that everyone just it's not fun to, to sit at home, but just do what you can and, um, you know, help us be able to flatten the curve. And, you know, at the end of the day, just, um, you know, I'm a believer. I know everybody in the state of Mississippi, or not everybody, but most of them are themselves also, you know, and just continue to be in prayer for the world. You know, that's, that's really what we need right now is, uh, you know, to, to get some healing hands on us. And, uh, you know, I know we'll all come out of this better in the long run. That's right, and and people are just you know, especially with it being the week of Easter, people uh, looking for the hope that we have that what we celebrate this weekend with Christ's resurrection, and people just trying to grab onto something you know that's hopeful. And, and your story of recovery sure sure provides that. Going back to your football days, man, um, you were at Santa Ana College uh, as a Ju- JUCO college. What was your transition? How'd you get to Southern Miss? Uh, so Coach Duggan and, and Coach Dish were my two recruiters, and, um, you know, they got in contact with me after my freshman year at Santa Ana, and, uh, you know, they liked my film. I stayed in contact with them throughout the recruiting process up until um, midway through my sophomore year, and I was having a really great season that season. And, uh, you know, I set up the official visit, and I came out, obviously, during that great 12-2 and 
conference championship season. Um, I came out to the Memphis game and got to watch Southern Miss just beat up on Memphis and just absolutely fell in love with the crowd, with the atmosphere, with the school, you know, just such a beautiful campus. Um, it wasn't a huge school, which was something I, I didn't want to go to a giant school. I wanted to go to some place that felt, you know, homey and, and that I could get that real tight-knit culture. And, and that's what I, I really fell in love with Southern Miss for. Um, and, you know, just getting there, you know, obviously my two years were the toughest two years, I feel like, in any college football history ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but through through all of that, you know, I absolutely fell in love with the school, just the, the mentality, um, you know, really like, you know, just being a part of, of the Golden Eagle culture. And it was just a really life-changing experience for me. Dylan, looking back, when you were in Europe, where do you think you came in contact with this virus? Have you had a chance to think that out? Uh, you know, it's really tough to say because they say that the incubation period is just, um, you know, between 2 and 14 days. So I could have contacted it while I was flying over there. Um, you know, I, I flew from Orlando to Germany and then from Germany to the Czech Republic. Um, but then also while you're in Prague, the city relies heavily on, um, you know, trams and buses and subways so i was constantly riding public transportation so i was always you know in public riding the tram or riding the subway to to get to the restaurant the practice field wherever we might be going so it's really tough for me to to think you know it could have hit me really quick or maybe i I got it on the flight and it took about a week until i felt the symptoms any of your teammates um, get it any of your guys on the team get it too um yeah so we've had i think there's only been five guys that have tested for it and i'm sure they're still waiting i think one other guy had maybe tested positive but um most of them you know they're not really testing people there unless you're in like critical condition in in the czech republic right now so um if you know if it like like i said i really wasn't going to go to the hospital my grandma kind of forced me to um you know and i i still feel like i would have made it out okay but it was i was glad that i did um so if people are just getting the mild symptoms i'm sure that they're just waiting it out they don't want to you know overload the medical field which is why everyone is quarantined right now you know i feel like a lot of people might not understand the the reasoning behind the quarantine is because we need to make sure that we don't get overwhelmed you know they need enough icu beds that's why after three days in the hospital i was like hey i told my doctors i don't need to be here you know i don't want to hold up the bed for somebody that that really needs this right um you know i don't want to be a you know a burden on somebody that can really be an icu position i didn't need a ventilator or anything like that so um, that's really just what we need to focus on. Well, man, we're glad you're okay. Glad your family's okay. Glad you're back in uh, America and uh, and doing well. And uh, we really appreciate you sharing the story. I, I think a, a story of hope and and uh, that it's serious, but you know you you can get through it. Uh, and what you need to do to prevent getting it. The, a great message from you, Dylan. We're glad you're good, man. And we thank you for coming on the show. Thank y'all so much. I really appreciate it, Golden Eagle Nation. I love you guys. Thanks for all the prayers and support. Um, happy Easter to everybody, and to the top, man, let's, let's hope that we get college football this year and Southern Miss makes a great season out of it. There we go. Dylan Rita, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. Really appreciate him coming on. Glad he's okay and glad he's on the man. All right, when we come back, Jameer Faulkner, WNBA star on the Eagle Hour. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back, everybody. We want to thank Dylan Reader for joining us. Glad to see he is on the mend from uh, the terrible virus that's going all over the country. So it has officially hit the Southern Miss family with Dylan Reader 
uh, coming down and, and now on his way back uh, from uh, the coronavirus. And we're glad that he's okay. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark and CampusBookmark.net. Biggest selection of Southern Miss Apparel anywhere on the planet. I suggest you check them out on their website currently, CampusBookmark.net. And uh, pick out your stuff. They can have it delivered to your home. And uh, you can do it uh, without getting out and without contacting anyone. And uh, support your new Southern Miss swag around uh, your community. So we're glad uh, that you can still do that with them. Our next guest uh, has quite a story. Jameer Faulkner was a basketball star uh, for the Lady Eagles. All-time assist leader with 863 assists. All-time steals leader, 366. Third all-time scorer in Southern Miss basketball history. With 2,056 points, she was the 35th pick of the 2014 WNBA draft. She uh, currently is still employed in the WNBA, sitting out right now with an injury, but a member of the Chicago Sky uh, women's professional basketball team and a fashion entrepreneur as well. Jamira, we're glad to have you on the Eagle Hour. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm well. How about you? Well, we're doing well, and we appreciate very much you coming on the show. What a storied uh, storied basketball career. You know, we'll obviously talk about your professional career, which which obviously is very important to you. But but uh, what's it like to, to hold all these records at your alma mater? Do you ever get an opportunity to think about that ever? Uh, yeah, I think about it sometimes. I, I can remember before I was even in college, and um, – I was reading through a, a book, uh, an athletic book from Southern Miss, and I seen all the records. And I told myself one day that I would that I would beat a couple of those records. And I, I went in there, and thanks to Coach McNellis's help, uh, I was able to do that. So it's a, it's a dream come true. Right now, of those three things, assist, steals, scoring a lot of points, was there a favorite part of the base of uh, the basketball game you liked the most? Um, I think I'm. I was really big on assist. And I, and I still am. I'm a pass-first point guard. Um, I think the assist, I, I was just so uh, selfless. Like, I, I wanted my teammates to, to score the points more than I did. And I think that, that helped our team a lot. Right. Now, you were a big star in Conference USA and, of course, at Southern Miss. Now, when you went to the WNBA, we ask a lot of guys this that go from college to the NFL or college to the N- NBA or Major League Baseball – how big a leap was that to go from college to the WNBA? Uh, it was huge. It was huge. I can say the the most um, the, the thing I had to adapt to was the games that we had like so close together. We sometimes we have back to backs, literally one game Tuesday, one game Wednesday. And I'm a big sleeper. I love my sleep. <laughs> um, so having to get up and then, you know, get mentally prepared for a whole other team and you play in less than 24 hours, I think that was my biggest change. All right. Luke, we have one of the greatest women's players in the history of the program on the show, Jameer Faulkner. Jameer, thanks for uh, for coming on today. How did you – from West Palm Beach, and we were talking, I think last week, we were talking to Brittany Dinkins, who uh, I think was a freshman your uh, your senior year. Both of you were Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. I always like to hear how you guys get to Southern Miss. How did you – out of West Palm Beach, were you highly recruited in high school, or uh, did you yeah. choose Southern Miss among many schools? How did you get to Hattiesburg? I actually – Coach McNellis is the – she recruited me the hardest out of every school that recruited me. And I finally took a visit there, and um, it was just – I felt like I was at home. 
though I was so far away from home. And Coach McNellis and the team that was there at the time, they just made me feel welcome. And she, she gave me a tour of the campus, and I, and I came about the football field, and it was Carlisle Faulkner Field. So I said, that was it for me. That I had my name out there already. <laughs> I said, that's it for me. <laughs> they named the field after you before you, you ever came. Exactly. <laughs> You had some uh, some postseason experience also uh, when you were at Southern Miss. I think your senior year was twenty seven wins or so. What was it like to play in the the NIT? You know, going out as a senior. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. You know that obviously not not a lot of teams that are able to do that, and we did it. We rallied together, and you know we got there. It was a great feeling. What. What is the the difference? T- kind of take our listeners through because you are a draft pick, and and we do hear about um, hear about the NFL draft. We've heard about major league uh, draft. What is the NBA draft and that process leading up to it and the actual event? What was it like for you? Hello, Jamir, you with us? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was actually at Coach McNellis's house that night. She invited me over uh, to watch the draft, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to get drafted. And, um, you know, we just kept watching and kept watching, and my name popped up on the bottom of the screen, and I was super excited. I was, like, in shock. Coach McNellis knew all along. She has all these little connections, and she was, you know, talking to different coaches and stuff. She knew all along, but it was a great surprise. (laughs) All right, we want to get to your we want to get to your sideline here in a minute because I think it's very cool. But we can't let you go without doing this. We've had a number of uh, former players on the program here over the last couple of weeks, and they all have a great Joy Lee McNellis story. Is there because she's such an unusual character? And I'll go ahead and tell you, she's a big, big friend of Luke and ours. So here's your opportunity to tell something you've always <laughs> wanted the public to know about her, Jamira. I I really don't have. Oh my gosh! It's it's with so many different things, but I'll, I'll say one thing: she's awesome. And every day, every single day, she would come down to the court from her office in the Coliseum, and she would say, "Practice, practice, practice." And as much as we <laughs> were not looking forward to it, that just made like the whole team laugh, and then got us all rallied together. It's not one day that she didn't do that. We've heard she's tough. She that is. She loves you guys. And she loves on you a lot, but boy, she can be tough in practice. She is super tough in practice, and she has a thing for point guards, so I got it the most. <laughs> All right, now now Luke is on his computer, and he is uh, he has been taking a look at your sideline. Uh, you're in the you're in the clothing business. You have your own line of clothes. Let our listeners know about that. Yeah, I have a, a line called JF Twenty One Drip. Um, it's something that I've been trying to create for some years now. And then uh, last season when I was hurt and I was at home um, rehabbing, I, I got together with my brother and we decided to let's just launch it. You know, I, I didn't have anything else to do. So um, he's a big computer guy. We got everything set up, the website. Um, I, I searched around for a few people to do the logo design and things like that. Um and we came up and we created some clothing line, you know, that the, the young people or the older people, like everybody is for babies. So we have we have a lot of different things on there. That's quite an undertaking, right? How, how did you get involved in that? Um, I love just fashion. I just love dressing up and, you know, going places and, and, and seeing what other people are doing these days. And I, I, I'm just big on fashion. So I, I was like, why not just come up with my own line? 
All right, Luke, what have you found you like? I know you're on the website. I, we've got a drip hat. It's it's a camo hat with a uh, the red drip in front. I like this shirt, BU. It's a, it's a red shirt. They got all kinds of stuff. She's got hoodies. Um, she's got backpacks. There's all kinds of stuff on here. Like you said, there's a baby onesie right here, JF21. Yeah. So. And you got, and you're on sale right now too, uh, Jamir. Everything's on sale, which I think is probably what attracts me to the the website the most. But <laughs> lots of stuff. People can go to jfalk twenty one dot com and and check that out for sure. Tell our listeners uh, you're you're recovering, and and uh, of course, has the WNBA have, have they officially uh, what's what's the status of the season like, and what's the status of uh, of you returning um, to action? Kind of uh, update our listeners on that, please. Um, yeah, so I was overseas in Russia. Um, just got back to really feeling feeling good out there and 100% confident on the court. And um, I just, you know, had an injury, another injury on the lateral side of my knee. It was a meniscus uh, tear. It was a wearing and tearing over there. Um, I woke up one morning and couldn't straighten my leg. I couldn't extend it out. I couldn't bend it. Couldn't really walk. Got an MRI, and they told me that it was torn. So I flew back from Russia. Um the end of January, and I got surgery on February 5th, so I've been out for a while, and I've just been rehabbing, but once I finally got hurt again and had to go under the needle for the fifth time, I just decided that the best idea of right now with um, getting older and you know playing year-round is to take some time off and actually take care of my moneymaker and my mental stability as well, so I just decided to just take the summer off and rest and recover, and then I'll get back to it um, October. Good deal. Uh, well, look, we appreciate your time very much. Sounds like you have a full and happy life. We'll look forward to seeing you back on the floor. And in the meantime, uh, give us that website one more time. It is jfalk21.com. All right, Jameer, thank you very much, and and best thank of luck guys. to you. Stay safe now, and uh, we'll look forward, forward to hearing from you again. Jameer Faulkner, everybody. Uh, Luke Johnson, one of the great basketball players to uh, ever wear the black and gold. You're you're looking at the women's uh, basketball media guide, and you just you type in Faulkner. 197 matches come up, and most of those are in. She's in the top ten, probably the top five in every individual career record in Southern Miss women's basketball history. Pretty amazing. And a delightful young lady on top of all of that. All right, Eagle Hour continues. Kelly Sander joins us next. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Monday. Appreciate Jamira Faulkner joining us. JFalk21.com. You can go on there and support a former Southern Miss lady basketball player now with her own merchandise line. 
Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, home of the 895 Lunch, home of the 895 Curbside Lunch with a drink every day. Support local, especially uh, during this COVID-19 outbreak. Support 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sander joins Bob and I. Bob and I are in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Kelly Sander, uh, an interesting article uh, from the Virginia Pilot uh, this past weekend talking about uh, a, a member of Conference USA, the Old Dominion Monarchs, their athletic department, uh, did an uh, independent study of kind of what this pandemic will cost them and some pretty uh, eye-raising or eyebrow-raising um, uh, findings, particularly among Conference USA. Well, it's, it, it might be eyebrow-raising, Luke, but I think it's going to be the new normal, um, at least for the next two or three years, because uh, as we mentioned last week a couple times, Iowa State Athletic Director Jamie Pollard has already cut uh, all coaches' salaries by a total of $3 million for next year because of no Big 12 basketball tournament, no NCAA basketball tournament. And, of course, all other schools, even the, non, the non-Power 5 schools, are in that same boat. But you'd have to think because their their resources weren't as fluid to begin with that it's going to it's going to have a bigger effect on some of these middle schools like like Old Dominion. Old Dominion is not happy with Conference USA. You know, uh, they they said that it's cost them about two million dollars a year to be in a conference that that was not what it was presented to be when they got into the league. You know, SMU was there, Houston was there, Tulane was there, Memphis was in it. Well, all those schools are gone. As we all know, and so Old Dominion has not, you know, has not garnered the resources that they thought they would from that relationship. In fact, Old Dominion has gone on to say that they are—they've already announced they are dropping wrestling next year. Now I know you might think, you know, wrestling, is, and there are only 75 schools I think at the Division One level that that have wrestling. But as that article goes on to say, Luke, already at Old Dominion, they're they're talking about dropping sports entirely now as, as cost-cutting measures because the money just isn't there. So you would think that the non-profit-making sports of, for example, you know, tennis, golf, cross-country, and those are just, you know, I just throw those out there, where there are both men's and women's teams, all of these programs from all of these schools are now really going to be under a microscope and change the entire landscape of college athletics. I'm telling you, this is going to be a, it'll be a great time for our country to get over this, but Again, ADs have some very problematic decisions to make uh, going forward. Yeah, specifically with Old Dominion, that wrestling program you talked about, 63 years they've uh, competed in, in a wrestling program. Some of the uh, the findings you alluded to, Conference USA uh, is paying their member institutions $1 million less this year. A lot of that has to do with the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournament. And you talk about, you know, when you start canceling sports, um, you have to have 16 NCAA sports to remain FBS, remain at the highest level of, of college football. So, you know, if you, if they cut two sports, cause they added women's volleyball. So you take wrestling away, you add women's volleyball. So they'll, they'll still stay at 17. But if they cut two sports, they're going to drop FBS uh, out of FBS, which means they won't compete in Conference USA. Well, I mean, the bottom line is, is, is you don't have a choice. I mean, it's not like any of these schools are, you know, are going to want to drop these sports. But if you can't pay the piper, something's got to go. I mean, it's the new math or old. That's just the way it is. So your point is well taken. Of course, the NCAA could always change that. 
and back off of you know of those numbers, the number of sports, because again, it's not just Old Dominion that's going to suffer there. I mean, Iowa State is a Power Five school, and they're already dealing with it. So you would think that everybody's going to have to go through this, and if everybody's in the same boat, they can certainly change those rules. But as it stands now, you're you're right. But again, if you can't if you can't financially float the boat. You got to do something else, right? And, I'm, I'm, and what's really frightening, Kelly, is I think it's fair to say Old Dominion was considered to be one of the one of the schools and one of the Conference USA schools in the best financial shape among the among the schools in Conference USA. So, what does that know, say about many of the other schools? And and those will be those will be the the stories that you're going to have to follow from now on. You know, the, the old school of thought of well, if school if sports can't pay their own way. Then they need to go. Well, that's 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 not going to work because of you know a lot of the a lot of the other sports um, that are offered, particularly you know for the women, um, have not been don't make the money that the ones do on the men's side, and and I and I hate that, but it's it's just it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that won't work. So there is going to have to be some. Serious rearranging or changing of the rules, not to mention, you guys, that because the NCAA granted another year of eligibility for these current seniors, that's going to cost a bunch of schools a bunch of money next year right. if, you know, if those guys and, and gals decide to come back. Um, so the, the financial ramifications of this are going to be so far wide and so deep that you're not going to see the total horizon is really not going to be in complete shape until probably Thanksgiving. You and I had this conversation over the weekend, Kelly. Uh, neither one of us could imagine four months from now sitting in a football stadium with people sitting all around you. I'm beginning to think we're going to see some some um, some changes in the in the football season. And uh, you indicated that you had also read that even if they were to start football on time, big if. Even if they started college football on time, a lot of the ADs predict twenty twenty five percent less attendance. Any, anywhere between eighteen to thirty percent, right? Drop in attendance. And Kansas State's athletic director, in a conference call with President Trump, uh, night before last, said if a vaccine is not developed by August first, which everybody understands that that would be great, but not likely. But that if a vaccine is not developed by August 1st, Kansas State's athletic director said the Wildcats would not participate in any fall sports because they just said it's too big of a risk too quickly after all this has settled down for him to, to consciously let his athletes and people that he's responsible for engage in travel and close quarter situations like that. So Kansas State has already said that, that they would – recommend to their board of regents that, that Kansas State not participate. And, of course, you know how it is. Once the first domino falls, once somebody makes that decision, that very you know, courageous decision and, and maybe unpopular decision, but whatever, <clears throat> that it makes it easier right. for schools on down the line to make that same decision. Well, and you know, I hate to bring this up, and I hate to even say this, but this is the culture we live in. What are the chances, Kelly Sander, that someone would go to a football game, come down with COVID nineteen, and sue the school for subjecting them to the virus? You'd be on TV, and you'd hear, um, you know, if, if you went to a football game in whatever year and contracts, you could be entitled to, right? You know, millions right. of dollars. And, and you and, know that's on their minds. That has to be on the minds of the school officials. 
Sure, sure it is. Um, they might not admit that, but I mean that that's all that's all a part of the financial puzzle too. Yeah. Here's so, here's my question though. You you brought up something and and it's in this article too. The NCAA's recent decision to grant additional eligibility to athletes in spring sports cost Old Dominion. It will cost Old Dominion approximately five hundred thousand dollars. So I mean, it, that, it's going to cost Southern Miss that too. Yeah, so and, and what is the NCAA? The, what what is the NCAA's role in helping schools get through that when they are allowing that? And that's what I was talking about earlier. They're going to have to reshuffle the rule deck, and and and, and maybe maybe it can be for just two or three years. You know, you have these tourism taxes that are only good supposedly for two years. Why couldn't the NCAA bend some of these rules or change them for a two-year time frame until things somewhat settle down? But something has to give. I mean, the, the financial weight of this is a bridge that uh, in, the NCAA isn't strong enough to handle. So, you know, something has got to give along the way. But, you know, and you think in the grand scheme of things, $500,000 is not a whole lot of money. Well, if you're talking, you know, if, if you're talking Georgia and Florida and Texas, it's not a lot of money. But for Southern Miss and other teams in Conference USA, that's a chunk. Right. That's a lot of money right. that, that you've got to come up with. So... Well, uh, such uncertain times. Even read an article over the weekend, talk of uh, the NFL football season may be starting after the first of next year. Starting after the first of next yes, year. Yes, yes, yes. How insane is all of this? I mean, but but you know, no one knows what to do. No one knows what to. So there there has to be a fine line here, and I, I'm certainly not smart enough to know what it is to open things back up. Some Kelly Sander while at the same time trying to fight this virus. You can't just shut down the country indefinitely. No, and I, and I think there will come a time where we will get the quote-unquote all clear. But then the question becomes, when is every American comfortable enough with the all clear sign that they'll go to these sporting events? And again, those athletic directors don't think that people will come out right away. They think it's going to be a while, and I expect attendance to drop from 18 to 30 percent even when we get the all clear all right stay with us kelly we, you and i also discussed something else over the weekend and that's how some of the people in our community right here just don't seem to be taking this seriously enough we'll talk about that uh, continue our conversation about college athletics on the eagle hour stay with us Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day, located online, toyotaofhattiesburg.com. You can check out their new pre-owned and certified inventories, also located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Kelly Sander joining Bob and I. Uh, some interesting news uh, about Nick Mullins over the weekend. This is at uh, SI.com, Sports Illustrated, reporting that the San Francisco 49ers had turned down about uh, two, maybe three trade offers for Nick Mullins. So Kyle Allen gets traded. No interest in, uh, in, in Cam Newton. But Nick Mullins, the 49ers, fiercely 
holding on to him and not letting go. And I don't know if this is something that will happen if they get a really good offer at, at the uh, at the NFL draft, Kelly. But you got to feel like, and it's reported in this article as well, that Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, really likes his backup quarterback. Well, besides running backs, I mean, one of the most often injured uh, positions is the quarterback position, as hard as they even as they do to try to protect the quarterbacks, even. So you have you have to have a good quarterback. So that that backup can't be some some clown. I mean, it's got to be somebody. And and we've talked about after the way that Nick performed last year. You know, had Todd Munkin stayed in the NFL and got a head coaching position, I would have thought for sure that Munkin you know would have gotten him. But uh, but not only can he play football, but he's a class guy, and I think uh, certainly makes sense. And I'm not a big 49er fan, but they sure made a good decision there. No question. And you know. I know how crazy this sounds, but if you were coaching an NFL team, would you not rather have a young Nick Mullins on your football team than an aging Cam Newton and all the drama that he brings? Well, and again, when we talk about dollars and cents, you guys, Nick Mullins is going to be a lot cheaper right, than Cam Newton just because he's been a backup. Now, he probably wouldn't be the next cycle around, but as a backup quarterback, he couldn't command the money that, that Cam Newton did. and. And especially going forward, man, it's going to be dollars and cents, a big piece of the puzzle. And he's proven he can play. I mean, he's proven he can get the job done. And he won some games against some really good competition when he got his opportunity as well. Great leader, too. Nick Nick's right. just, a, just pr- couldn't be more proud for him. He deserves everything he's gotten. All right, we've got a lot of guests lined up already this week. Uh, Sheila notified me this morning. We've got Taylor Braley, Matt Guidry, and Walker Powell from baseball all scheduled to come on the show this week. Uh, looking to have Dr. Mark Horn back uh, tomorrow from South Central Regional Medical. He's been so, so good uh, and giving us some common sense advice. And, you know, Kelly, here we are, we're talking about all these huge financial repercussions, all the health repercussions, all the sorrow around the world with people losing their loved ones. Uh, the former famous kicker, Dempsey, from the Saints, dies of this virus over the weekend. And then you and I were talking Saturday afternoon. You, you see things that just bewilder you, you know, uh, We've got restaurants all over town, tax-paying, hard-working people closing their restaurants down. And yet here at Oak Grove, I see a pop-up crawfish boil Saturday afternoon and a field loaded with people standing in line shoulder-to-shoulder to buy crawfish. Just It just makes you shake your head. And, if, I mean, if you're going to get some crawfish, do a drive-by, you know, to the curb, pick up to the curb, Um we, we just generally live in a pretty selfish society where it's all about me and don't don't think about the next guy. And, again, this is different than a hurricane. If, if you stay at home during a hurricane, you're only hurting yourself. But this thing, by being out like that. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I would say this, too, uh, for anybody that would care what I think. Think about the guys, the, the men and women that have invested all this money in these restaurants. They rent these buildings. They pay taxes. They pay workman's compensation. They pay liability insurances. They really put it on the line to provide restaurants for us to enjoy, which is a big part of the culture here in Hattiesburg. Those are the those are the people you need to be supporting right now, not these pop-up guys that show up seasonally and then disappear. Think about the people that have everything they own invested in these restaurants and, and now are, are basically operating with what, Kelly, their right hand tied behind their back? Yeah, a skeleton staff. And, and not, to, not to mention when these pop-up things happen and you get sick or something happens, then what? Right. 
Right. You know, there's right. nobody to go after. I now, mean, I think Dickies is doing a deal this what it's tonight. Let let people know about that, Kelly. Yeah, Dickies in, in Hattiesburg. If you call in your order this afternoon, you can pick up your orders at the, the Bellgrass community on off of uh, Highway 589 uh, out in the Oak Grove area. Uh, have your order phoned in by this afternoon, and again, you'll be able to pick it up just. Like you're dropping off your kids at school, you pull into to a Bellgrass and get your last name. They'll have your order ready for you. It'll already be paid for. You'll do that when you when you place your order online or over the phone. And um, that way you can support one of these businesses that Bob right. talked about. And, of course, Dickie's been a good friend of ours on the Eagle Hour for, uh, for quite a long time. So that's a way that you can help these businesses and stay safe at the same time. That's right. How does that sound to you, Luke Johnson? A little Dickie's Barbecue. I like it, Kelly. We we uh, kind of threw you under the bus earlier. There's an urban legend going out there that one of the reasons Dickie went cur- Dickies went curbside is because you attacked the ice cream machine the last time you were in there. So just yeah, wanted to make you they, aware of what's floating if, around in the culture. If they could just get a generator big enough to run that thing, you know, out in the out in the Belgrass parking lot, that would uh, I'd have to order four or five times. That's you know? Kelly's only wish through COVID nineteen. Please get the ice cream machine working at Dickie's again. Soft serve, please. All right, guys, that wraps it up. Great show today. Appreciate Dylan Rita and Jameera Faulkner, and of course, always enjoy our conversations between the three of us. We hope you do too, and we hope you'll tune in tomorrow at one o'clock when we're going to do more of the same. Until then, everybody, be safe. Southern Miss. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.